25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them up the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Hour number two underway. What's up? I'm Matt, live in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Local agents you can deal with face-to-face. They're right there from the hometown. They're your hometown hero. Because you have that fender bender on Saturday night at 11.30. You don't have to wait till Monday till, air quotes here, business hours. You know him personally, one-on-one. Call him up on his cell phone. He'll come help you out. It's the kind of relationship you'd love to have with any business in any part of life, but you certainly get it in insurance because of Farm Bureau. One-on-one, deal with the home team. So uh, coming up in mere minutes, we're going to check in with Don Williams. You guys heard from Don last week as he was covering his 38th Masters Tournament as a member of the media. And now, since something incredible has happened... Tiger Woods. Tiger! I said he couldn't do it. I'll admit that. I said he couldn't do it. By dog, he did it. He won the Masters. 14 years since the last one. 43 years old. Dad, <laughs> gummit. Sure did. He won it. So we're going to recap the Masters with Don coming up in just a bit. I do want to point this out. I may have to come back to it later, but Man, uh, Jake Wimberly, who hosts The Drive in the afternoons on WRKS, The Zone, 105.9, Jackson and surrounding areas. Jake's a friend of mine. He hosts The Zone. And he's got this cool thing called the College Football Hourglass. He It's a, an analytical thing, analytics-driven content for the savvy college football fan. On Twitter, it is CFB Hourglass. It's It's really fun. And I saw where it retweeted, I follow them, and it retweeted something Jake put out there. By and, the way, you can also get those articles on our website. Okay, on the website. Sorry, to, sorry for interjecting. No, 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 I'm glad you did, because I'm just now seeing that. CFBHourglass.com. And so today, they're going to talk about, because <laughs> Jake tweeted this. 2020 national champions in football, Georgia Bulldogs. The Georgia Bulldogs. You can read it there. And and there's two pictures attached. Jake attached two pictures to his tweet. One is a graphic with the top teams who he thinks are maybe in play. Or no, it's the playoff, then the semifinal game, or, or which are the playoff, the semifinal games. And then the national title game, and he has Georgia beating Clemson in the title game. But with it is a ticket 
that he apparently has purchased. Putting his money where his mouth is. I'm looking right at it. Jake has bet $100 straight up on Georgia to win the college football national championship game. He took Georgia. It shows it right there. I don't know how to read any of this. It says, so it happened. Today's the 15th. He placed the bet two days ago on the 13th. No, I'm wrong. No, that's just the event is happening on the 13th next year of January. I'm reading it all wrong. So anyway, he's bought this. It says, win 700 to pay 800. What the heck does that mean? I don't know anything about any of this. All I know is that it looks... If he, a, he, he bet 100 he could win $800, $700 Okay, difference. all right. Yeah. He's taking That's, Georgia to win the 2020 College Football National Championship, put 100 bucks on it. Did you hear about that guy that bet $85,000 yeah. on Tiger? $85,000 on Tiger. One over a mil. How about that? Yeah. You win some, you lose some. He won that one, didn't he? He sure did. Look at Jake out here. Well, I'm just going to say this. While you get Don on the phone, we're going to talk Masters. I'll just say this. To all these people out here giving gambling advice, that's all fine and dandy. And you act all sad and upset on Twitter when your picks don't go well. If you really believe in your picks, put your own money on it. Let me just ask you a question. How many people are you listening to for their gambling advice and they aren't even betting their own money on their picks? Seems to me if you're really confident in the picks that you're giving to the public, you'd take all your money and put on it, wouldn't you? Huh? Wouldn't you do that? Anybody can sit here and I can just throw air at it. I can give you picks all day long against the spread, over-unders, all that crap. I can do it all day long. Won't put one dime of my own money on those bets. That's how non-confident I am. So who are you listening to? <laughs> Let's find out how much you really believe in it. So some man put down 80-something thousand dollars on Tiger to win the Masters, and he cashed in, and he's won over a million dollars. Let's talk about it right now. Well, let's don't talk about that. Let's just talk about the Masters with my friend Don Williams. Just got through covering his 38th Masters as a member of the media and uh, on the Divinity Equipment phone. Don, thank you for uh, jumping in with me here on a Monday to recap. I, I mean, where did where in the world do we start? Just wow. It's something I, I honestly didn't think we would ever see it. And Tiger has done it. He's won another major. What's your takeaway? A lot of different things, Matt. First of all, um, I'm not surprised that he won because I certainly think that his play in the last year showed that he was capable of winning again on this level. And I think we talked about this on one of our discussions last week Mm. that he had risen in the in the span of a year from basically out of the rankings because he hadn't played the golf to number 12 in the world. It's incredible to be number 12 in the world um, for anyone. And for someone who's been basically inactive for three years and only has played in 20-some-odd events, 
in the last two years. I'm getting a little technical on the uh, world golf ranking here, but they measure 40 events over a two-year period to base your ranking on. Well, Tiger doesn't have 40 events. He only has 25, Mm. which means that they add 15 events as if you made did not make the cut. So he's got 15 events with no points to get to his 40. So that that shows that he really, if he only were measuring 25 events, he would have been ranked much higher than number 12. Yeah. By virtue of being yesterday, he's now ranked number 5 in the world. And he still doesn't have 40 events and won't for quite some time. So having said all that, yes, he was fully capable. When you look at the leaderboard from Friday night, he got an assist. Now, you can ask the question, was it Tiger pressure that gave him an assist? Brooks Kepka didn't uh, perform to the level that we probably expected over the weekend. Certainly, Rory didn't. Uh, Ricky didn't. And, and the list goes on and on. The only one who did until the uh, 12th hole on Sunday was Francesco Molinari. Dustin Johnson performed when it didn't matter. Um, if Dustin Johnson makes a putt on number 18, we're having a different discussion. Yeah. Uh, so, and so that's one storyline. The other storyline is obviously Tiger had to put himself into position. What he did not do, and it, this is not going to be the story, but it's what I look at. When I watched that golf tournament yesterday, Matt, I did not see Tiger create the momentum that caused everybody to shake in his boots. Right. Is there a putt that Tiger made yesterday that turned the tie? I can't remember it. I mean, he made some birdies, but he made some bogeys too. Francesco Molinari hit the ball in the water twice on the back nine mm-hmm. on Sunday, enabling Tiger Woods to win the Masters. That's not the story because that's not what people want the story to be. They want it to be this remarkable comeback of Tiger Woods, and it is. But Francesco Molinari hit the ball in the water twice, and Tiger won the golf tournament. Don Williams on your radio. Don, was this win for him? I agree with what you say. So can we chalk it up to Tiger dealt with the wind as well or better than the others, when that wind kicked up mid-round yesterday. Yes. Oh, well, I don't think there's any question. I mean, Tiger is has always been someone who, unlike Phil Mickelson, Tiger hits the shots that he needs to hit, and he knows what they are. Whereas Phil hits the shots that he hopes he can hit, and sometimes he does, <laughs> and sometimes he doesn't. So you never saw Tiger in a position where he was going to make a mistake. Did we lose Don? Don, we lost you there just for a uh, split second. Um, You you mentioned that you're waiting for Tiger to make the big mistake. So maybe he didn't create the momentum. He just didn't make the killer water ball that some of the others did. Okay, we'll try again with Don. We're having, we're having a hard time, Don, with your um, uh, connection there on the phone. Uh, Roger, let's try it. Uh, see if you can just speak with him real quick. I'll reset, and uh, if we need to call him back, we can. 
Um, chatting with Don Williams. Don was at the Masters all week in Augusta. It was his 38th covering it as a member of the media. He brings up what I think is a really interesting point, and that is it's natural. You understand it as a fan that we all are, it happened, Tiger is back, he did what we said he couldn't do, yet um, the story really is that he, he, you know, the stat, the stat backs up what Don is saying in that this is the only time Tiger's won that major while coming from behind on a Sunday. He was not leading. He didn't create that big, huge momentum moment. What he did was he hung on while some others let go. We have Don back on the Divinity Equipment phone, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. So dealing with that wind, it looked like it was really swirling and difficult on television. What was it like in person, Don? I don't think it was, uh, if, you know, there's been a lot of wind at Augusta. I don't know that it was uh, overwhelming. I don't think, uh, but but again, at Amen Corner, um, it obviously affected the shots on number twelve. It always does. Yeah. And you know, Molinari's shot uh, cleared the water, um, but then came back in. He needed five more yards. The second was fifteen. Was the fifteen was the golf tournament? Fifteen was the golf tournament. It was set up by as often happens at Augusta. Your bogeys at Augusta are often made by bad placement off the tee. If you get out of position off the tee, you're going to struggle to make par. And on 15, Molinari pushed his drive into the right, um, behind the trees on number 15. And that's, that the drive didn't kill him. The second shot did because it was, that's an easy pitch out to leave yourself a hundred yards for your third shot. And he overcooked it, and it ended up in the left-hand rough. And the rough, he gra- you know, grabbed his club. You know, Matt, you've done it enough. Coming out of that rough, you hit just a quarter inch behind the ball, and you don't get the juice, and it ended up right smack dab in the middle of the pond. That was a miss hit. Yeah. And that was the golf tournament. When that ball went in the water on 15, Molinari Bonet- Bonet- had the lead. As soon as it went in the water on 15, Woods had the lead. And you knew at that point he was not going to relinquish it. Right. Talking Masters, uh, Tiger Woods wins it in 2019. Don, why is it so uh, just astronomically difficult for people to go there and repeat? You know, Patrick Reed, nowhere to be found this year. And, you know, the people that over the years in this tournament – um, they win one year and go back the next. It's so hard to go. And I, 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 it may be an easy question. Why is it so incredibly difficult at Augusta? Uh, I don't know um, if it is any more difficult than it is anywhere else. Um, I mean, we have seen repeat champions more recently at the, um, at the U.S. Open and at the PGA. Um, but still, when you think about any defending champion repeating, it usually is something that happens at a specific event every 20 years. Yeah. So I now um, contending, I think that happens. I'd have to go back and do some research on that. I think you would find that when a 
real champion, and I don't want to take anything away from Trevor Emmelman or Danny Willett yeah. or some of the other people that have won a Masters. But when a Jordan Spieth, a Phil Mickelson, a Bubba Watson have won, I think that they often are at least in the noise the next year. That didn't happen with Patrick Reed, and I don't think anybody should be surprised by that. It's been a very tumultuous year for him. Um, with all of the criticism that he has endured, self-inflicted, a breed. Um, and plus, he just has not been playing very well. So it doesn't surprise me that he was not on the leaderboard. When you look, Matt, at the people who contended, were they not people who, since January, have been either winning golf tournaments or have been contending yeah. quite often? You know, Jim Furyk missed the Masters by one world golfing ranked point. If Jim Furyk had qualified for the Masters, I think you would have seen Jim Furyk on the leaderboard because he's playing so well right now. Right. Yeah, that momentum thing, it's it's a lot like um, you know, a lot of the teams that won their conference tournaments in college basketball, amazingly they they played well in the NCAA tournament. You know, they're putting it together at the right time. And, you know, that goes back to something, again, Don, that I mentioned to you. I heard or I read what Jack Nicholas said prior to the Masters when he said he had played golf with Tiger and that Tiger went out and shot the most effortless 64 he'd ever seen and he hit every fairway. That turned out to be prophetic. And, and I guess is no coincidence that it happens to come from Jack Nicholas. Here's, here's my here's my take takeaway a, a couple of things number one um, Tiger Woods I think it is safe to say has survived his 2010 PR nightmare I don't know why but he has it's an incredibly popular victory everybody was rooting for him yesterday almost everybody um, and um, it will do wonders for um, the sport. And for TV ratings, particularly at the majors that are to come. Yeah. I also think that Tiger is in the conversation for the rest of this year and who knows how much longer with Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson and Roy McElroy as the guys to watch every time a major runs around. Here's what I don't think happens. Tiger, and I said this last week, I still stand by it. This is not Tiger from 2005. We're not going to see him win six tournaments this year. We're not going to see him win two more majors. He may win one. He may. He will likely be in contention for two out of the next three. Obviously, he loves Pebble Beach. So the U.S. Open is going to be uh, something that he has a chance to do very, very well on. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what's going to happen in... Ireland, because they've never played an open championship there. But Tiger will uh, be in contention. He may have a chance to win. But he's not the guy that is five strokes better than everybody else on tour. At 43, he just can't be. Yeah. Don, really good stuff. Thanks so much for the recap. I know you're traveling. Safe travels to you. It's been fun to chat Masters with you this year. Thanks again. As always, man, I appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you soon. Yep, absolutely. Me too. Thank you. That's Don Williams. Covered his 38th Masters this weekend. It's one of the most memorable for anyone who follows golf. Tiger Woods 
comes back after 14 years from the last one, wins a green jacket, 43 years old, um, made the shots. One disagreement on Twitter. Don said he, that uh, Molinari lost the tournament on 15 with the water ball. Terrence, uh, TJ says, I disagree with Don. Molinari was toast after the first water ball on 12, and it got Kepka too. Tiger clubbed up to eight iron, made par, and won it. And, you know, the experience factor. And you could hear those guys, Faldo and others, kept pointing to that, that experience factor, really helping Tiger not to, you're right, choose the wrong club, incorrectly judge the wind, go for a pin that you shouldn't go for in certain situations. Where is that, you know, that, and but then pulling off the shots and hitting fairways. I mean, he missed some. But he hit the right ones, too, and um, just never had the huge mistake that took him out of it like the other guys did. So whether it was 12 or 15, but I tell you, it's another example of some people come along in your lifetime who force you to rethink what you think is possible. And that's what Tiger Woods has done for me. You know, Tim Tebow did that for me, too. I didn't think he'd ever get the bat on the ball in high minor league baseball, much less be good, and he's done that. Hit home runs. Tiger Woods, I had thought there was no way he'd ever get back to form, being the age that he is and knowing what back trouble is like. But he's proved you got to rethink what's possible. So my hat's off to him. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Feels like home, Roger. There's 1130. It's a little early today. (laughs) What was that Western movie? It was... Oh, the... uh, The three... Yuma. The 310 to Yuma. Oh, yeah, where they had to to pretend they had died of uh, some kind of... Yeah. Plague. Right. (laughs) Where they had the little bells on the coffins in case they weren't really dead. (laughs) That's scary. Because they did just come up with that idea... For no reason. That's right. They buried somebody. You know what it is? <laughs> they had now, those with it, where you were in the ground in your in your grave. They had those. Right. It it came all the way up and rang a little bell. Can you imagine how scared if you were walking through the cemetery and heard one of those bells ringing, man? Yeah, you'd be run, you wouldn't be walking through the cemetery anymore. You'd be running through it. No doubt. Um, back on the show, live in the Farm Bureau studio. Connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. A reminder that C Spire, they do so many good things for the state of Mississippi. They support local sports, high school sports, college sports. They really do support it uh, in, in so many ways. The trophies that you give out to the best college players in every sport are got a C Spire logo on it. They're right there involved. Really proud of C Spire, hometown company. Doing great things. And they'll fix your phone for you. Is your phone a little rough around the edges? We'll stop into C Spire. They can fix it for you. While you wait, most times, any phone, any carrier, hop on in. They are certified phone repair centers at C Spire. Hand it over. They'll fix it for you while you wait. C Spire mm-hmm. is customer inspired. 
Is yours a little, a little rough around the edges, Roger? Well, my, my old phone, my Samsung is. Yeah. But I think it's kind of nifty. How, I'm sure there wasn't an accident that they're, they're giving your phone CPR. Cell phone CPR, repair. cell phone repair. That's it. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, uh, interesting question. Well, let me, let me get to it here on the text line real quick. Um, by winning, this unnamed texter, talking about Tiger Woods, by winning just a stroke, three or four guys losing by a stroke, did he win it or did they lose it? Which was it? Which came first. Yeah. Well, they don't say you have to win by five. You only have to win by one. So, hey, is what it is. <laughs> well, you could tell so, some folks that ever watched a soccer game, like so one team's leading at the end, and then they get down to the penalty kicks, so and that team loses. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And let me get over here really close and read this one. It says, uh, the guy, let's see, you can't change what happens, this text says. You can't say things would be different if the guy didn't hit the ball in the water. The same guy could have put it um, three times in a row. Tiger won, played overall better. When you do that, you win. That's exactly right. Now, Walton texted in an interesting question. Matt, could you break 100 at Augusta? Yeah, I could, Walton. See, and I, 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 I haven't played. I had a lot of golf over the last couple of years. Been working. Life changed on me quick, but I'm okay with it. So I'm not in practice, no. But I believe I could break a hundred, sure, at Augusta. We talking about from the tips where the pros play? You talking about like going over a hundred? <laughs> <laughs> Staying under. Oh, okay. I, all right, you, so you could break it real good. So I'm going to be as matter of fact I can. It sounds like humble brag. It's not really because I'm just not a golfer anymore. I barely even own clubs. Okay. But at one time in my life, so throughout my 20s and 30s, certainly for, I would say, the 10 years from about 25 years old to about 35, I played a lot of golf. I would not say that I was a scratch golfer, no, because that would indicate you go out and you're shooting par or you're breaking par just about every time out in a round of 18. That would not be me. I was a pretty consistent, there for a while, I was a pretty consistent in that four to five handicap range. Pretty consistent. But in doing that and playing a lot of golf, I had rounds where I would, I'd go break par. You know, I had, at one of the local courses, I played a lot at home, uh, Big Oaks Golf Course in Tupelo. I had a round there of 69, which would be a three under once. Where I finished, I was I was sitting there at par, and I finished my round on three straight birdies. I was playing with a buddy of mine named Jonathan McCoy, who is a banker. And Jonathan's a really good tennis player, and I used to beat him in golf, and then he beat me in tennis. He beat me so bad one night and ran me back and forth one night that when the match was over, I threw up on the tennis courts. True story, and he will never let me live that down. But we share the fact that we are um, big Braves fans. And he was with me, playing with me that day that I finished on three straight birdies and shot a 69, three under on that particular course. It's a little different now in that it is, um, no, I guess it was 72 then. Seems like it was 71, but it's 72. And anyway, um, he says he can't believe that I left. We played 18 holes. 
finished on three straight birdies. He said, man, if I finished on three straight birdies, I would keep playing and see if I could have four straight or five straight. I'm like, you're crazy. 18 holes is, and it's over. <laughs> it's like nine innings in baseball. <laughs> it's like four quarters in football. 18 holes in golf, it's over. <laughs> but anyway, I left. So I had a few of those, break par. Uh, but again, those were skinny days and flexible days and pre-back trouble. And I got to the point two, three years ago where I simply could not get through a round of golf without excruciating low back pain and was given some options of like, you know, it could be surgery or it could not. And I just decided I was going to try it without surgery and try to get healed up. And honestly, one of the things I've done, and it was not hard to do, and that is kind of step away from golf because it hurt so bad to play. It was rough. And frankly, the next day was a lot worse than the day of playing golf. You know, two years ago, I'd go play 18 holes and make it through popping pills. But the next day was almost just immobilized. And I just got sick and tired of that. I couldn't deal with it anymore, so I gave it up. And after two years of not swinging a golf club, I'm sitting here right now. I still don't have a great back by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm active. I sleep pretty well, and very seldom do I wake up and can't get out of bed. I mean, I fe- my back feels as good as it has in 10 years. And a lot of that probably has to do with, you know, old football stuff, but maybe also the fact that when you play a lot of golf and practice a lot of golf, but you're doing it wrong, you're asking for trouble. <laughs> But even so, Tiger had back problems, right? Well, that's true. Yeah, and, and you got to think he's got instruction on how to do it, right? Well, and Roger, see, I'm glad you brought it up. I, I wasn't thinking along those terms, but yes, yeah, see, that's why. That's a huge reason why I was convinced that it was absolutely, emphatically over for Tiger Woods when I read all the stuff about all the back surgeries. And I watch him on television at a tournament at one point fall to his knees and barely get up and then walk gingerly down the fairway. He can, he just, he's having to pull out of the tournament. I know exactly what that feels like. And I'm the same age as Tiger, basically. Like, we're a few months apart. And I'm telling you, up until 36, 37 years old, staying in shape for me was no trouble good metabolism, muscles head to toe, you know, flexibility, ability, relatively pain-free. And you just jump out there and go. But then you wake up that one morning and your back is no longer the same and it is just totally, it totally changes your life. Now, he's got gazillions of dollars and can pay for every bit of therapy. He's got all the time in the world and it's surgery after surgery. And he's he's been able to get his body back to the level that he can actually go win the Masters. And frankly, for an everyday working guy, got my hand up, that just ain't possible. It's just not in the cards. But that back trouble is exactly why I was convinced and said it's over for Tiger Woods. And he has forced me and others to reevaluate what we believe is possible. And I like it. I like that. Stick around in the Farm Bureau studio. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.
All right, Roger, I got no music, but I'm talking. <laughs> There's some music. Crank it up just so I can hear it. Yeah! <laughs> well, the Jerry Clower uh, deal is what encouraged me to go ahead and, and start flapping my gums. So we're back. No worries. No worries whatsoever. I think part of the issue is I didn't have my uh, volume turned up on my end, so I'll take... That's no, pretty much my fault. I'll take 50%. But thanks again, that? man. That's the second time within seven days you took one for the team or tried to. That's all right. We mass communicating over here in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. We've had a busy day on the Divinity Equipment phone line earlier today. Talked to Winky Freeman from Vicksburg, my father-in-law who's involved with one of the local churches, First Baptist Church, on the recovery and cleanup effort after Saturday's tornadoes that uh, came through there. One at 115 miles an hour winds, the other one at 125. They were EF2s. And so to this point, Vicksburg, no loss of life, but a lot of loss of property. Bunches. And if you've ever been to Vicksburg, you know, there's just so many humongous old, old, huge trees everywhere that it's just no wonder that many were blown over right into a lot of homes and businesses and and other stuff. So we had that conversation earlier and then also um, caught up with Don Williams on the Divinity Equipment phone. Don just got through covering his 38th Masters Tournament as a member of the media, the 38th for him, and it was certainly a memorable one with Tiger winning which uh, I got my hand up. Didn't think it was even close to possible. That's just the truth. I didn't think it was possible. Roger and I were discussing it, though. The fact is, you you take someone like Tiger Woods, who you have unlimited financial, unlimited money for a guy like Tiger Woods, and there is no day job. Your job is to get healthy. So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, his job was to work with medical professionals and training professionals to get his body back in playing shape. That's all he had to do every single day. Every It's not easy, but you take every day working, Joe, family man, right here, hand up. You don't have that luxury. You're just trying to manage getting the job done and putting food on the table and paying the bills at the same time as how can I get myself back into the, you know, at least halfway decent quality of life uh, scenario if you've got some type of health problem or back problem. So it's much different for a high caliber athlete like a Tiger Woods. And probably the next time some guy's injured at an old age, you probably ought to consider that, especially in a sport like golf. I see a new estimate on what, Tiger Woods' net worth is as of 2019. What would you guess? Uh, 2019. I have no earthly idea. 800 million. Okay, <laughs> that's plenty. All right. Somebody texted in and said he's got the best doctors. He's had four back surgeries. That back is tricky. You never know. Roger, you were telling me that in Las Vegas, you can actually bet on whether or not he's going to re-injure himself this year. Oh, there's bets for everything. Yeah. What do they call those kind of bets? Prop bets? Prop Some bets. Kind of, that's it. Yeah. 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 
Fluffy Bottoms texted the show and said, I could break 100 at Augusta at the snack bar. (laughs) (laughs) Fluffy, do what you do, man. Do you. You do you. You'd have to spend a lot of money to break a to spend a hundred bucks at the snack bar at Augusta because everything's inexpensive. It did is. you have one of the uh legendary egg salad sandwiches? I did. Egg salad is better than the pimento cheese. Everybody would oh. say, you know, get pimento cheese sandwich at Augusta and I had them both and the egg salad was the best. Love yeah. A good egg salad sandwich. It's good. Good. You know, and for they, some reason they're better on that cheap Thin sliced bread. <laughs> yeah. They had all kinds of stuff, though. And cookies, brownies, all that stuff. And everything's Masters brand. It's pretty neat. It really is. Hey, uh, this is a story that, look, you know, if you follow this, you're aware. If you don't, maybe you don't care. But I need to mention it to you. I covered it on the front end. So now you've got the next, uh, I don't know what you call it. The next chapter in the saga of Will Wade, the basketball coach at LSU. Over the weekend, breaking news out of LSU and Baton Rouge. LSU's reinstated basketball coach Will Wade. Wow. He denied any wrongdoing in his Friday meeting with LSU and NCAA officials, according to the statement. LSU's athletics department convened on Sunday and decided to reinstate him. Quote from Joe Oliva. AD, athletic director. Coach Wade's explanations and clarifications offered during the meeting, absent actual evidence of misconduct, satisfy his contractual obligation to LSU. A lot of uh, parsing of words there. Boy, is it. Roger, is it. Absent of evidence. I mean. Uh, So he's asking, uh, just wait until we get that in there. Exactly. Exactly. Here's the other thing, too. This has nothing to do with anything. But in the article, they go, LSU Athletic Director Joe Oliva. Now, I have a real, like, hang-up with that. Because he is his official title, or the official title of one of these guys at any school is, quote, Director of Athletics, which makes sense, right? According to semantics. Yeah. Well, but if you word it this way, LSU Athletic director (laughs) then according to the english language you are saying he's a director and he's very athletic but isn't that what we called in the common parlance yes ad ad's ad but i think it's athletics director because he's the director of athletics but if you say athletic oh so even when we call him athletic director that's not correct right because the word athletic is so Francis, our, our, I have to call us our English teacher. The word athletic is always and always has been an adjective. Yeah. The word athletics has been and always will be a noun. And the in order, is now a noun. And in order to be the director of something, you've got to be directing a noun. Right? Not, not a verb. You can't direct. Well, you could direct a verb, but you can't be the director of an adjective. <laughs> You're the director of very good. <laughs> he is the director of fat. <laughs> you know, now we're, see, that could be noun or adjective. Well, the, anyway, okay. The director of hog jowls. 
<laughs> Love Handles. I am the director of Love Handles. We're back into nouns again. Oh, here we go. All right, so back to the quote, though. Joe Oliva, the athletics director at LSU, says, Coach Wade's explanations and clarifications offered during the meeting, absent actual evidence of misconduct, bing, satisfy his contractual obligation to LSU. That is Joe Oliva's way of saying, we don't have some evidence sitting in front of us, so we've got to reinstate him according to his contract. Otherwise, they're going to sue us and they could win the lawsuit. Roger, do you agree with my summation of what this really means? That sounds like it's right. Yeah. Now, my question is, is he going to have to give the money back, and how hard is that going to be? Like, Because some of his, you know, as we talked about, right. like a, over a million dollars in pay was going to be yeah. compromised. Well, you leave that up to the lawyers, though. But see, that sticking point in a, in a court, according to the lawyers, would go LSU's way because Wade is the one who refused to go to the meeting. Uh-huh. Right? But the only reason he'd want to be reinstated was to get his money. Well, maybe so, but I'll tell you this. Get this. Wade was suspended for 37 days. It took Will Wade and his lawyers 37 days, effectively, to rehearse possible questions with the needed answers. Took them over a month to finally get to a point where they were ready for him to sit down and answer those questions. Now, I want you to think about that. Let me let me just say this to you. How long does it take to, to tell the truth? Exactly, Roger. How long does it take to tell the truth? Listen, everybody, listen. It's not over. And listen to me. If you have nothing to hide, how willing are you to answer questions? If you have nothing to hide. Do you need a lawyer to coach you on your answers? Well, many lawyers might say, well, sure, because smart lawyers or smart questioning on the other side might lead you down the wrong path. Well, I can I understand that. All I'm saying is, if you have nothing to hide, it does not take 37 days. There are lots of lots of lots. Anytime something like this pops up, in this case, there's legal issues along with potential NCAA issues. Everybody is going to spin. Everybody is. The reality is it's not over. The reality is nothing proves that he did or didn't break any NCAA rules, but the FBI has him on a wiretap. Now it's just a matter of, Does any evidence pop up that is going to be used in an NCAA investigation? LSU has reinstated him to avoid a lawsuit. At what point any evidence comes across or the NCAA says, here you go, they will unreinstate him. I guarantee it. All right, for Roger, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. We'll see you all tomorrow. See you. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.